like there's just a similarity between people who make comics. There's just something about all of us who make stuff. And when I was talked to Howard Chaikin or Neil Adams or Walt Simonson, there is an inherent similarity between all of us that I think is this constant negotiation between creativity and judgment. Hey, thanks for listening. It's that time of year when the final big projects are underway for my design work. And there's always one or two that really soak up a lot of time. And one of them is kicking off. And I feel the pinch with my writing projects, knowing that this will be creeping in availability that I have. So I'm uh, trying to keep real positive and open and open-minded about it. Last week, I came up with a technique to help combat something I was doing that I didn't recognize until I really took a look at the opening of my book and realized I was loading the reader with a lot of specific information that they didn't need to know at that point. And how I determined this was by highlighting proper nouns in blue. And then I highlighted the reuse of the proper noun in green so I could see where I was using them and to what volume I was using them. And then I would weigh the value of the information being a proper noun or a generic word. And I found that I was able to really back off on a ton of information that I didn't need to burden the reader with early on because I want them to gain an understanding of the character and the world they're in, but without having to juggle a lot of balls in the process. I found that to be super helpful for me. Maybe it's because I'm a visual thinker in so many ways, but if you do struggle with this onboarding of your reader, take a crack at this. You might find that you can simplify and simplify through a technique like this or find one that works best for you. Today's guest is a former guest, Jeff Johnson. He and I entered Marvel Comics around the same time. He was he was success out of the box. He may not feel it, but for many of his peers, we thought, wow, he just hit a, hit a home run stepping up to bat for the first time. So Jeff had this project, which I've had a couple of guests at James Robinson on and uh, Brendan Wagner to talk about the Rogue's Kingdom campaign on Kickstarter. And Jeff done this brilliant, brilliant work on the book. So he came back to talk about it. Now, we recorded this before the campaign launched. So he had no idea whether they would be successful or, or where they would land when this posts. So he doesn't know why we're talking. They funded, but they have so many more stretch goals available for the people pledging. So I would really recommend, if you haven't even checked it out, uh, to go over. There's a link in the uh, description. And check out what's, what's available. Because if you like fantasy and you like comics, if you like James's writing, if you like Jeff's artwork, it's a no-brainer. I mean, th there's a lot of plus sides to it. But they've got like variant covers, another, another one by Jeff, but Ryan Sook, Zach Howard, and Brennan Wagner have all done their own variant covers. Um, at the end of the whole thing, we talk about it briefly, but he had a launch party on the Drink and Draw Social Club YouTube channel. So go check that out. I'll put a link in the description. 
it was a it was pretty funny. Even if you don't watch the whole thing, just watch the beginning because it is uh it's classic. Jeff's a great guy and always a pleasure to talk to. And we kind of get into a whole bunch of things about the project, about chasing down the things that you want to do for someone who's been in the business for all these years and then finally says, I'm going to do the thing that I want to do. That's a big step. It's not easy to do the thing you want to do, but there's nothing more rewarding than doing it. So take a listen, enjoy it. I had a great time. And it's one, it's a pretty connected conversation. So this is me with Jeff Johnson. So I get, I get pictures every so often of just like the valley, just orange and glowing. I'm like, Ooh, it's super trippy. It's uh when we first moved here, we didn't have any fire for the first couple of years. And then, um, then every year since, and then a few years ago, I'm sure your sister told you what we lost Phoenix and talent. Yeah. Uh, so I think that, um, it, I think they changed, They did some changes uh, with how the homeless are down by the river and then um, access to some of the more remote parts of the, the forest here. But like, that's okay for us, but we still get the fires from California, which are- They just keep coming up and up and up. Yeah, they just keep coming. There's no, there's no getting around it. Is that better or is that too dark? No, it doesn't matter. You know what? Since it's just us talking, there's no video. So you can, oh, okay. you could, you could do the light right behind you and make yourself look like a- Witness protection guy. For I, all. <laughs> no, I don't want that. <laughs> that's that's no fun. Okay, excellent. And so we're not doing video. We're just having the conversation. Yeah, I just I've you know what I like once like I grab the reins of this thing, uh-huh. and it stopped being sort of a live to YouTube broadcast, which it right. makes you know, which you know, you live with all your bruises. I yeah. was like, all right, well. I can like trim off stuff. I'm like, Oh, you know what? Like, cause like the sign off's always awkward. Like all that kind of stuff, you know, when you do these things, you're like, all right, okay, goodbye. Goodbye. Right. And I'm, yeah. I finally, like, oh, let me just do audio because every time I made a change in the video, it took like an hour and a half just to make that change like saved and then upload like forever. Right. It, it takes five minutes to upload audio. That's great. That's a really, that's, that's an interesting point. I mean, one of the things like I loved doing the show with the guys and I loved doing my own, the, the, the smaller one, um, the, uh, the, another round one, but like I kept in a, with another round, those guys were more receptive to having a bunch of stuff in advance. Like, Oh, let's prepare a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Dave and Dan did not want to do that. What? Just, <laughs> I can't, I'm shocked that Dave didn't want to do any. I know. I know. Surprise. Right. Like I could not get like, I was, cause I tried to, I guess in, in essence, kind of more produce it. Yeah, because I wanted to have like I wanted to have interview questions. I wanted to, you know, I wanted us to have like a set amount of time for things, and I wanted us to have have it be a tighter show. And those guys, uh, those guys fought me every step of the way. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know, you know, Dan's magic is Dan's off the cuffness. Like he's very, he's very quick off the cuff kind of you know person. Absolutely. Dave's Daveness is like his thing. So like, you know, I think, you know, how, you know, never step on the Daveness is my, it's true. And I, I didn't want to, like, I didn't want to wrangle a tiger by the tail and mess it up in some way, but like every once in a while we would hit, we'd have a guest who was an interesting person, but not necessarily comfortable chit chatting or drawing live. And we just have all this dead air. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, this is fine if we're going to edit, but like, we're live right now. <laughs> like, this is boring as shit. 
totally yeah. and, man like because I mean, like, listen straight up you guys are a huge inspiration for me to do this because you were doing it at, at the time in 2019 uh-huh. and you know my wife my wife went off to ireland for like a month and a half for an art residency and i'm like oh i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna be bored so i quickly got my art college buddies to come on so we could just hang out and pretend like we used to, you know when you play D and you got the sketchbook absolutely yeah yeah that's what it was yeah but then I ruined it by like asking more and other people to come on, you know, and it was funny because you guys were the, 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 were you, the official drink and draw social club. Yeah. So I, I think I originally like made the Google thing as like the unofficial, you know, thing just to, you know, poke at Dave. <laughs> and then I eventually look, I was talking to guests and I'm like, listen, I don't draw comics anymore. I don't draw anymore. Like I really don't. Um, and I don't drink. So I'm like, I'm like sitting here with this moniker that has nothing to do with me. And then I ask Erica Schultz to come on. She's like, well, I don't drink and I don't draw. I'm like, yeah, me neither. So like, it was kind of like this lightning bolt of like, I probably should change the name. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, the tradecraft stuff you have, the interviews you have, or well, one of the reasons you do the thing that I really wanted to try and do with the show was kind of, there's this there's this wealth of knowledge and craft about how to make comics mm-hmm. that isn't being shared, right? There isn't a centralized place for it. There is no codified approach to it. And there's not a, like, there's no, like, you don't have access to it, right? So, like, when I was talking to, um, to Walt Simonson, like, I'm like, this is the shit that I would want to know as a kid is like, like, because uh, I've read all this stuff. I'm like, how did you get from here to there? Right. Reading the same shit that I read. Like, how? what is the Walt Simonson match? Like, how does that work? Where's that craft? Yeah, and it's so, it's so, I mean, and, you know, having done like, you know, 200 of these things now, right. like, I'm, I am so shocked, especially, I mean, like with obviously within like an age range of like, you know, from probably 60 to, you know, mid 40s or maybe a little earlier. Your diversity is amazing, by the way. You have I don't know how you get your guests, but your your range is fantastic. Oh, Jeff, it's blackmail. I'm, oh. I've I've I have I have people working for me getting all the dirt. Yeah, is that the trick? Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I should have thought of that. Thought being smiling and pleasant. Yes, right, right. no. Yeah. Um, and but that the overlap of experience in so many ways, like you know, when you and I talk, I mean, look, we talked like two years ago. Uh-huh. I, I I think it was almost two years ago when we last spoke. Yeah, I think so. And it was, you know, and like, I think you were just starting to work on Rogue's Kingdom. I think you were just like, hey, I got this thing that I'm going to be doing, right. you know, and talk about it. And you had shared like some cool drawings, like with mountains and stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, like that's the stuff because right. I'm I'm a fantasy dork. Just having these these experiences and like realizing like, you know, we all face so many of these same sort of hurdles. And I, I always uh-huh. think like, man, if I was trying to get into this business or if I was in the business at a very sort of like, but I had ambition, you know, and I'm like, right. I want more. When you get to hear someone who is where you want to be or has done what you hoped to do, it's really like to me, I'm like, that's the encouragement I always wanted. Right. You know, and then that's the encouragement that like is so much like, I mean, what? sure. Somebody saying, Jeff, man, this is your, this is so good. You've really worked hard and this is fantastic. Of course, that's great. But to 
bypass all the sort of like dumbness that we all do or did. I'm still, I'm like, I'll be honest, Docs, I'm kind of freaking out. Like, because I go live and like we're, I'm having people help me with the the page and there's some some snaps <laughs> some snafus but like as anything like everyone has trouble getting stuff across the finish line but like like if it doesn't sell what am I gonna do <laughs> like I I did the I did it's everything I could possibly make it it's the best I can make it. And if it doesn't sell, I, I mean, I'm not prepared. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, it's almost like it's a two thing. You have to do all this hard work be above and beyond. But then there's this emotional component. Like, right. there's this, like, matter of your ego when – so. You know, like I got in the comic business because I wanted to play with their toys. Uh-huh. Like that's what I wanted to do. I didn't, I didn't have this I want to do my thing kind of stuff, which I totally – think is so much healthier um right and like i did not give myself permission forever to do the thing i want to do like i right. just kept that packed down as low as possible because i would get you know i got in you know in 91 and your work was some of the first work that i actually saw in the offices because oh. your editor was my editor so i you know and i'm thinking well he's doing what i want to do you know, and so I like any idea, like any idea of like carving my own little pathway wasn't there because all I wanted to do, you know, my ambition was this, is, you know, to emulate other people's achievements. Right. That's healthy. <laughs> well, I mean, well, when we, well, I mean, I'm still measuring myself against the most ridiculous of people, Mobius, Jose Luis Garcia, Lopez, Byrne, Alan Davis. Right. So yep. like, on some level, I've been able to carve a bit of a path for myself, but I don't think I was able to do that, man, until I did animation. Right. Yeah. Like that's like I was able to get out of comics and then just draw for a living. Mm-hmm. Right. The idea of ego and what it meant kind of disappears because it that, that gets in the way. Yeah. They don't they don't want you. They want they want what the show looks like or they want the right. job to be done. They don't want your personality in it. And that's why people who don't do that, don't do that. Like, even if they're the greatest drafts person, like, you know, and there, and I think, you know, I'm my limited experience with animation, you know, a producer is really good at going, you know what, that person may not be the best for this, but they might be really good at designing trucks. Right. You know, we need lots of trucks for this, this, you know, this project. And, you know, but in comics, like nobody's looking at it going, well, maybe there'd be better to be used for something else. Like it's sort of like that comics breaks my heart, you know, motif, right. you know, of like, well, nice try kid. Yeah. Good, good luck. Good luck. <laughs> good luck. We have a deadline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, not interested in you. Well, one of the things I think is interesting is I don't know how many times you experience this is like, Oh, well, I put in a Spider-Man sample or I worked on a daredevil type thing, mm-hmm. but if you wanted to do another project that was like say Iron Fist or some other character that is basically in the same universe, yeah. like, Oh, but can you draw that character? I'm like, <laughs> you saw me work on Daredevil. You just saw me write Spider-Man. Like why? why? It's so true because you don't have like, you know, this isn't bashing, you know, bashing zone, but what I, I recognized early on was that there were people with English degrees managing art and that was always, to me, felt like a con- like a conflict that they didn't right. have an understanding. So you would, you know, you would go around the offices and someone, they would look at the, and it, now listen, there's two sides of this story. One is they're right. The other, you know, everyone is right. But I also go, 
you would go around, they go, they would just use buzzwords. Oh, well, this feels this or that. And I'm like, oh, you know what? You guys just went into like a meeting and waited to listen to what Carl Potts said about some artwork and then like wrote down like, okay, this feels this. And then right. you, then you like, you just basically, you know, parrot what the guy who you say knows how to do something. And, um, right. Yeah. He's still very well dressed, Carl. Is he? I haven't dressed. seen Carl in forever. Yeah, I, I I bumped into him at Heroes. I was totally shocked, and it was great. I had the best talk with Carl and um, I, I love that guy, Terry Cavanaugh. Like the the three of us just had the nicest chat. And he, I said, "You're always the best dressed," and he's like, "What? Because I wore a suit jacket over a t-shirt?" I'm like, "Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's 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 tutorial compared to most of us. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even know what a suit jacket was." Oh, yeah, that's really funny. I remember once Carl and I were talking about martial arts. I'm like, oh, so you train and you do stuff? He goes, yeah, train for a while. I'm like, what do you, what do you, like, what do you, what, what do you do? What do you enjoy? He goes, well, I know just enough to get myself into trouble. I know just enough to do nothing when I get attacked. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I can see that. You're like, oh, what, what should I, what should I do? Dead. Right, right, yeah. Well, yeah. There's, there's very little time for thinking um, in that. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I did a little bit of training years ago with a, a SEAL Team Six guy, and he all he was, just, it was just, it was hours of elbows and knees. Oh yeah, that's so all it was. Uptight elbows, elbow. Elbows and knees. Oh, elbows. You're like yeah. your hands are gonna break if you try to hit someone, you know. And it was just this. It was, it was, it was bruisy. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you hook up with a SEAL Team Sick guy? I well, I like to do a lot of different things outdoors, and I was at the time shooting competitively. Cool. So I wanted to get better shooting my rifle for competitions. So I figured, well, go train with people who shoot, you know, more than anyone else. So right. they just happened to be teaching, you know, like a within two hours of where I live. So I was like, all right, I'll go to that. And right uh, on. Yeah, it was interesting. That's super cool. How long did you shoot? Did it was for a whole weekend. Um, not as much as I would like. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's the problem. Yeah. It's, it, it's just hobby. ammo is crazy expensive. That's what, that's what really stopped the whole thing. I'm like, I don't really feel like I need to like be spending, you know, this large sum of cash on things that to go flying away at 3000 feet per right. second. Like that yeah. doesn't seem like a very good way to spend my cash. I know it's, I like, I think people who, I mean, one of the reasons I think so, it's so expensive to train soldiers is like we, back in basic training, it never even occurred to me like how much the rounds were, would cost. Right. Cause we went through thousands and thousands of rounds. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, you just gotta get, you gotta get comfortable with it. Like it's expensive to get skilled at something. This is great. This will dovetail perfectly. I think that's what like, you know, when you, when you practice, like you, if you do intentional focused practice, uh -huh. you can really get the things you don't need to achieve sooner than later. Right. You know, versus just that sort of like, because like, I mean, you've done martial arts, you know, training scars, like you, yes. you did something and you learned to do it the wrong way, but you kind of muscle your way through it. Yeah. And then you have to kind of relearn it to not like make a mistake or, you know, get hurt. Right. And, I think that's like with everything. So like you, so I guess things costing a lot of money makes it, it makes you go, okay, I need to really pay attention. You know, when you're a little kid and your parents buy you a ski lesson and you don't pay attention, but then when you're an adult and you buy your own ski lesson, you're like, you really let's pay expensive. attention. I'm pay attention. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, my uh, my wife has been doing jujitsu a lot lately, and uh, we rolled together um, on a Tuesday morning, uh, just sort of just a fun like a little group of us rolls together. And I don't really do jujitsu; I do uh, kempo, and we have some grappling stuff. So, um, and I did aikido for a really long time, so I have some understanding of the 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 mat work and groundwork. But um, she was she was workshopping something. She's like, "Well, what do you do if someone does this to you?" And she got on my back and she locked in and I was on the ground and I would, well, you would roll them over, but she had, she was so tight that she wasn't able to get her arm out. And so she wound up like hyper extending a bunch of muscles in her back. Oh. Um, but that was that, that painful less cause she didn't know cause she's relatively new to it. All the other people have been training our whole lives. You automatically, the minute you feel like this can't move, you release, you just, you just learn to open up. Right. She hadn't developed that, intuitive muscle trained self-defense she just hadn't developed that muscle yet so she got hurt she's like oh i need to learn that i'm like yeah that's something we all took for granted so we're like we didn't even understand how she got hurt like what happened <laughs> like what happened right yeah so i don't understand like because we, we all would have bailed we would have been like oh nope i'm stuck this doesn't work i'm out but no, she just never got it because it isn't life and death in that situation yeah. you you can easily just you know pull the cord and okay, let's reset and figure this out and, you know, solve that problem. Yeah. Do you ever watch that movie, uh, red belt? Yes, I did see red belt. I love that movie. It's a good one. It's a really good one. Yeah. And it's so like under the radar, like just not enough people have really kind of dialed into that one. I think my friend who was studying, uh, jujitsu in LA, his, his professor, I think it's Gerson, Gerson, can't remember the name. Was one of the guys in that movie? Oh, okay, yeah. yeah I think he's one of the tra- was one of the trainer training partners. Well, I th- yeah, because I mean, Mamet got all got all into jujitsu, so that's why he wrote that film and directed it. So that it makes sense that the yeah. LA the LA contingent would be well well seen there. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's. So you touched on it earlier. You know, your hardest, your, your greatest effort. Your you know your your A game, your A plus game. You know, it's it's for Rogue's Kingdom. This is the yeah. this is the book. So we're recording this in advance, but like the campaign is coming to an end at this point. Well, so, well yeah, we're getting we're getting ready to go. Um, yeah, so it's it's the and you mentioned earlier. I know we I've talked to you about this for a couple of years, but the truth is, James and I started talking about this book. I think it's almost like five years ago. Okay. So, yeah, well, because we started talking about it. Um, and we then developed it. We started. We took. We knew that we wanted to do something together, and so we started to figure out what that was. And we settled on um, a fantasy thing, and then we settled on uh, an era, and then we started carving out some characters and some plot ideas, and sort of organically, just going back and forth, we came up with rogues. Um, and I love it. Like I love what James wrote. Like he took the ideas that we talked about and created this incredible world. Um, and these really living characters um, that I not only understood and controlled, but was really compassionate towards. I'm like, oh, I love this guy. I want to see him succeed. Um, and uh, and then over the, over the years, I put so much coming from animation in the last 15 years. I spent all my lead time designing characters and backgrounds and the most ridiculous. <laughs> of things like i'll send them to you um i i have 
Uh, yeah, it's uh, so. I was in my mind sort of creating the Bible for the animated series or the or the movie, right? I wanted there's um, there's expression sheets, and I I went as far as designing the manacles that they use. Um, I wanted to make sure I understood how they worked, and I set it in this the 17th century um, sort of France, kind of a mix of Three Musketeers and Lord of the Rings. Uh, and I did that because just artistically, I wanted to see a fantasy that was not set in the dark ages. Um, but logistically that was the dumbest thing I've ever done because it's so, everything is ornate and gilded. And it's super complicated to draw. So I didn't, I didn't plan ahead, but, um, that's what I wanted to do. It paid the price. Lucky but, um, magic spell that could change all the architecture, like in the third issue. Oh yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Well, I also did the dumb thing of I'm a huge fan of Hal Foster, so I wanted all of the, whenever they're not in a city, when they're in the woods or stuff, I'm still doing Hal Foster woods. Yeah. Which take for which also take forever, but they're very satisfying. I mean, you know what it's like when you make something that's exactly what you wanted it to be. Yeah. No, it's it's. Uh, but I I made some bad choices. <laughs> <laughs> I you know listen. Bad maybe in the time management aspect. Of <laughs> right. Well, that's always been a struggle for me is I tend to get lost in things. Well, you know, someone was mentioning that today about that whole sort of time vortex fashion of like the mind. And I and they were saying, you know, it's it's a sort of an ADD kind of thing. And mm-hmm. and I can I can relate to that. I, I, I can relate to that sort of like you, you sit down to do something that you're really excited about and the kind of like you blink. Right. And like hours have passed and right. you, you know, like I have to use time, I have to use like, like alarms to stop me from working because I know like, okay, let me just work for 50 minutes. Cause if I work for 50, I can then move on to something else. Cause if Smart. I don't, I'll just keep going. Yeah. I think that's definitely one of the things. So I think I've never been more productive. I think more consistently productive than when I was at CrossGen. Because I was, I had a desk. We all had hours. I could see the guy across my quad waiting for the page to, you know. So I had an external manager. Because when it comes to my internal manager, I just get, I get, I get lost in the weeds. It's always been, it's been the thing that I, I think I was drawn to drawing as a kid is that escape into another dimension. But as a professional, you have to really try and control that. At least I have to try and control it because otherwise, I'll spend days deciding on how many buckles this armor gets or developing an entire system of magical transport that I just put in the background everywhere. So yeah, it's, it's one of those things that I am, I am best with, with management because I get lost. Yeah, no, I, and I love, I love how you use that, that example, like a cross gen, like I've, I know, you know, working in firms or, um, you know, corporations, you know, you have the office, you have the desk, you're doing the thing like, and, but man, like when you're left to your own devices, it's a real challenge. Uh Um, and yeah, that, that, that realism thing, man, it's a fucking beast. Like it's so rough. Like I look at so many artists who have a very stylized look to their work and I go, man, you got it all figured out, don't you? You know, cause I'm thinking like it's, and I'm not saying it's easier, but what I'm saying is they're not concerned about the buckles. Like, right. I, <laughs> right. like I got, like, I got, 
hired to be the penciler for Deathstroke years ago, which was like the dream book for me, because if you want to talk detail in a costume, I'm like, that's my uh, guy. Yeah, all the scallops. Oh, yeah. Yeah, everything. Right. There's pouches, there's swords, knives, right, right. everything, you know? Yeah. And it was like, my mind was like, this is it, you know? And it was just like heaven for me. But like, it probably would have ground me to a halt, you know, like, you know, doing that stuff. And like, and I remember when... <laughs> bringing dave back in but when dave redesigned the deathstroke costume for like sort of teenage version deathstroke or whatever he was mm-hmm. i'm like this doesn't work like i was so i was yelling you know, he and i were yelling at each other because like it, like i like i couldn't like you can't build this costume it would like this would oh. fall off and that way he's like oh yeah but it looks good man and i'm like but that's not the, you know like it was like one of those kind it's of an like excellent dave impersonation by the way <laughs> it's a good solid and um yeah, it's just one of the it's one of those things like but like, you know, he has even though he's very, very like structurally competent with everything he does, he also has the ability to kind of like, free, you know, freeform jazz stuff. Yeah, Damn it. I mean, his designs on uh, Ben 10 are particularly great because he was able <laughs> to just make them crazy shapes and then make them so he took crazy shapes, which I would never have thought of and make them work like, oh. That's a his silhouettes are bar none. Like he's really good at that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he's brilliant. I mean, there, and there are those artists that you you think of. I mean, you can go back to Toth being like sort of the grandfather of that sort of shape yeah. to character or shape to object kind of thing. And there, you know, it's a it's a beautiful thing. So I mean, so, <laughs> so as good as all your years working in animation were, they also I guess set set a sort of a. A poor example as if you had a staff in a in a budget to yeah, do it was, oh. well yeah i mean the trouble is is like i did all the jobs in animation i bounced around which was a lot of fun but once again i did have that over i had i had like a structure to keep me from going crazy um so when they'd be like jeff we need some character designs we need two or three of them today or we need this one done by the end of the week that's great because i knew what i was doing but when it came to robes i would just go off on these mental journeys of like, what does this character look like? And how do I get him to move and all my shapes? And then, you know, a week later, I'd have a, a bunch of really cool drawings of, of this interesting exploration. And like, I have one character who's in the first issue and he's just a guy, he's just a throwaway guy. He fights the princess um, and uh, he loses and he has big like mallets on his hands. Okay. And then, I this is how, this is how not on point that I can be. So I liked that design. The design didn't be interesting in the thing, but I liked him so much. I thought as a character, he hated being beaten by basically a little girl because he's a big guy um, in this tournament. And so then he goes and tries to level up. And so I drew a bunch of designs for like he goes to um, – uh, to improve his his armor, and so he levels up and he trains, and so I designed that version of the guy. Um, and then I thought it'd be interesting if he comes back and still loses to her, and so then he goes and then gets uh, a wizard to help him and makes a deal with the devil, and so then becomes kind of this demon version of the guy, and then goes back to fight her again. All that's super cool, and will eventually be in the book, right? But it's not a page. <laughs> it's not even close to a page. Yeah. Yeah. So 
I did a million things that were not a page. Like I designed, um, so there's the caravan riders that have uh, Peachy and Rondo, right, in the, in the, in the thing. So I designed uh, all the caravan riders and I de- designed their outfits and I designed, and so one of the caravan riders, we only see far away and then we see him again as his caravan gets knocked over. Um, and, uh, but I have a whole character sheet for him. I have a backstory in there and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's, you know what it, you know what it is, is okay. What you're doing is you're writing with drawing, uh-huh. you know, you're, you're, and I'm, and, you know, once again, I'll bring back the D and D thing. You know, we uh-huh. sit down and we, and we draw out our costume for our character and we right. come up with all those little things when we were kids or adults, not going to, not going to age shame here. I have a game on Wednesday. There you go. Yeah. Oh yeah, every Wednesday I play. Yeah, yeah, and it's like it's like that sort of like role playing thing that you're doing with the pencil, with the character, and you're coming up with all this story. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing in this respect. You're just coming up with all the things, yeah. and you know, it, and it pays off. I'm sure you know for you on the page because when you're drawing. You don't have to answer the questions because, you know, you're not redesigning Spider-Man's costume. It's already done. You know what to do. And so you've got all these kind of characters and you can use them. And I'm sure it probably adds a lot of acting life to everything that you're putting on the page. I think I like to think so. I I do believe that when you're and I'm going to get hippy dippy and a little metaphysical, but I do think that when you're drawing something and you're putting your heart and your soul into it, and you're really focused on it, that I do think that everything that you put into the page, like all the knowledge of what's going on behind the scenes, all the things that are, are happening outside the, the panel borders. I do believe that that is conveyed through the drawing. Like I do think that the rest of the world exists outside the lines that people see and that, that people can see it. They are affected by it. And if it becomes real for me, then it becomes real for them. Then I think the magic of the page and the story works. That's how it works best for me is when everything is, when there are no doubts, when they, and so that sometimes that leads to boring storytelling on my part, I think. Okay. But I do, I do think that, that it, I want to design my stories always that you can fall in with the first panel and then be surprised at the last panel that the story is over. That's always, that's always the dream for me is to make that transition seamless. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I guess, yeah. I mean, and I would agree, like looking at the opening page of my head, like it's a once upon the time, once upon a time, you know, opening page like that is that's kind of a big hallmark. Yeah. You know, and I think that, yeah, you're right. I mean, that's pretty consistent, consistent through your comic work, too. I think you, you know, you always kind of did that sort of like entry kind of thing. But I feel you probably have a bit more control here than you did on a monthly. Yeah, well, for sure. Well, I'm also I have a, a, lot, a much more chance to to craft every single panel and page like there's. To make, I want to make sure that I'm showing the, the. I always want to make sure that if I'm going to introduce a concept or an object or something weird in the story, that I show it in the background somewhere or someone using it. So um, we're going to have a lot of really great stuff. Like at one point, we have centaurs and we have four armed um, minotaurs and we have we're going to have dragons. We're going to have all this stuff. So I introduced. Um, the the beaver uh, major domo for the in the in the, for the princess just in the in the background or like he's th- that's a character so I so it's all pretty human pretty normal stuff until we get then there's this guy right and then okay so that guy sort of breaks the 
pops the cherry on like, oh, it's going to be this kind of fantasy book. Mm-hmm. And so as we do that, I never, I never want anyone to be left behind. I want the story to be smooth. Yeah. But that takes a lot. I mean, that's just a lot. That's me planning, like, put this guy here to put that guy in the background there. Right, right, totally. And it's, you know, it is, I mean, it's a super challenge, whether it's on the page, you know, with words or with drawings, to uh-huh. tell a story in a fashion that is memorable, you know, in, in sort of like, you know, t- you know, timeless. That's the idea right. is that you, you know, when you struggle on the page, how do I make this? How do I sell this? that it's not going to feel forced. It's not going to feel rushed. Like what, how do you move this story along uh, for the reader? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that comes from when I, when I was a kid, like I loved guys like Alex Saviak and Keith Pollard and all these, these guys who were just such great, all these guys who were just great craftsmen who like you would pick up the comic live in that comic for as long as it took you to read it and then be, and then, but always be able to open that door again. And I just, and I always was much more drawn to that. And even though I appreciated the Neil Adams breaking of panels and changing of stuff, and I, I was always, I always marveled at it. Mm-hmm. It never seemed to fit for what I wanted to do. Like I was never able to quite make that seem natural. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, <laughs> I, oh man, like I'm thinking about like how I engaged with books and like the people, like, cause like, you know, yeah, sure. Bill Sienkiewicz is the coolest. Oh and, yeah, absolutely. Yes. But I never like looked at that and said, well, I'm going to do that. Like, right. it, you know, it, 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 but it worked, you know, and I would look at, you know, when, you know, Frank Miller would start really breaking up time with his panels and trying mm-hmm. like loved every second of it. But never did I say like, that's what I want to do. Right. You know, like it was, it was, it was, it was just more, I think it was more clarity that I was always shooting for. Uh-huh. And, you know, the, the dynamism had to fit within whatever the structure of clarity I was shooting for. Right. Yeah. I don't know about how you learned to draw, but for me, it was definitely from comics. That was one of the major places that I did it. Um, and I started off early with like John Masema and Gil Kane and Hal Foster and those guys. And I think that on some level, the, the panel borders gave me, uh, some structure yeah. to work within. Um, whenever I start laying out a page or start doing anything, the first thing I do is draw my box and then, and then I start working within it. Like, I guess the the multitude of possibility is too much for me, so I, I carve it down and then try and figure out what is it that I'm going to see in the box. The world behind the box is is huge, and I think that's probably the problem. Is like there's too much back there. I need to narrow my focus. Um, so yeah, even sometimes I have a real hard time even just breaking panel borders. Sometimes yeah, yeah, like it, fe- it feels wrong. <laughs> it feels scandalous to me almost. Yeah. And it was, and it had like, for me, it had to be done like for intent, like it had to be done for purpose, not right. just for, Hey, I can do this because no one said I can't do it. Like it, right. it really had to kind of have a purpose to, to the whole thing. And, you know, and, and there were challenges, I mean, they were kind of design challenges. How do you, mm-hmm. how do you create this structure that it, it still works within the sort of the confines that I need it to work? Right. 
and the story demands. But like, can I solve that problem with a little with in a different solution that might just like, okay, well, if I have this arm extend out of the panel, now it, it does a little, it says something else, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that's one of the interesting things about every, every line. I mean, there's, you're right. We, we do write with pictures. And, and I think that every time, every line is, says something, it's a word or something. I remember Shannon Wheeler, um, you know, too much coffee, man. You know, Shannon? Yeah. The Shannon Wheeler. Yeah. He, he, he's amazing and he's great. So he was in our studio for a while when he lived in Berkeley. I remember watching him work on a too much coffee man page and he was using the, this tree, um, the roots of this tree as a descending graphic. And there was story happening in between it. And I, I was amazed at like how he was conveying the transition of time and just the story and the joke all yeah. together. And I thought like, I even told him like, dude, you are using comics in a way I have no idea how to use. Like you're using the, the graphic possibilities in your layouts or something that's way beyond anything I can imagine. And it's, it's impressive. And I think that's one of the things I love about comics is just how many different ways there are to approach a page. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've been sort of obsessed with uh, Jesse Lonergan's work for like the last year or two. And if you get a chance to check his stuff out, it, it's the, the guy is so clever, just so oh. clever in his, his page, his page design and structure and how he tells stories. So, um, so I'll send you a link. Excellent. Yeah. No, I'm always, I'm always, I'm always fascinated by that because every once in a while I feel trapped in the boxes. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I should maybe break them and try other things, which I do occasionally, but even my time doing storyboards and animation, I got so comfortable in the box. Like it just, it just makes sense for me. Um, that it, it it doesn't it never it always feels as though this this shirt doesn't fit right or this jacket is not quite the thing I want whenever I'm trying to do something more. Um, well, those those uh, things are missing. Sleeves. <laughs> I don't want a shirt that's were, missing the sleeve. The sleeve, it's <laughs> right, the exactly. Like this is this doesn't fit. Yeah, right. yeah. it's crazy. <laughs> it's like that crazy shirt that the that that woman made Jerry wear that big. F- uh, poofy, f- the the puppy shirt on Seinfeld. That's oh, so, right, exactly. Yeah. Nobody exactly. wants to wear that. Yeah, I mean, it is cool to be the pirate. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, I, I was, I, I mean, I asked your your partner in crime on this project, James. Mm-hmm. The, the question I sort of kind of opened up with him was, how do you keep how do you keep jazzed? Like, how do you keep recharged? How do you keep yourself engaged because it's been over 30 years now dude like it's not drawing yeah yeah it's an interesting question and you know so i'm i just turned 55 a little while ago and i have to say that that it's there have been times where i like i don't understand why i am still doing it like i've i've had a great career i've made some fun art i've made a lot of really good friends but like there was at some point where i'm like what am i doing right like this is um, am I just drawing another version of Spider-Man or am I just going to do storyboards? And I like drawing for a living. Um, but I always wanted something a little bit like it wasn't, I wasn't having that itch scratched in the same way that when I was a kid drawing all these characters that I had passion for. And I think that's just part of being like, 
part of hitting that, my, so my midlife crisis, I did not buy a new car. I did not have an affair. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't take up skydiving or any of those things, but I did have to take a serious long look at like, what does it mean to, to draw stuff, to sit at the desk all day, to, to in essence, choose loneliness, right? Like mm. it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird life choice. And then one of the things that was always great about it though, is, is rogues and working with James and doing something that I've never done before. Like having that, that, that world that you get to build on your own. I do think that was always kind of the, the thing I kept coming back to. So the inspiration now is to, to make more, like to make more things that I've always had in the back of my head, like to really figure out some way to get that stuff out. Um, and that's figuring out how to do that is tricky because that stuff doesn't necessarily pay. So, right. and I think that hopefully the, the Kickstarter is an avenue for that. And that for, um, I know that a lot, I mean, it's really kind of impressive. It's almost a renaissance happening with a lot of the Kickstarter stuff. It's like, it's work that you would never see. That's amazing being put yeah. out. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, I mean, you know, as, as sort of crippling as the pandemic was in, in so many levels, the straight to con- you know, consumer comic book model that uh-huh. has exploded in that in, in the time since it's been fantastic. I mean, the fact that w- you can see all these different projects from every level of the creation, you know, you know, spectrum, right. it's unbelievable, you know, and, you know, and it's, you know, it's funny after talking with James, like how, you know, he's, you know, he feels almost like a, like a, like he almost like is treating himself like as a new guy, yeah. You know, in this, in this, in this process when, right. you know, he's created all these books that, you know, are like put on the, the best yeah, show. Yeah. yeah. There's legendary, there's some legendary stuff from James. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like, you know, and like, you know, and things like, and it's just like everybody, like everybody who loves comics, you know, knows James work and they love him, but he's sort of like, well, you know, like, trying this and you know and i'm like wow okay like and that but that to me like is a great sign because you know you know going back to martial arts i mean the idea is like you you can't you can't be comfortable training like training is when you need to be the most uncomfortable right and it's and it's like everything but like when you like i would always know that i was doing really well drawing if it felt like i was going right before the edge of the roller coaster dip down that uh-huh. sort of butterfly kind of terrified feeling. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm drawing, I'm like, Oh, this is when it's all coming together because I'm just at the edge of the wheels falling off. Like it's just, I, I'm not in control almost. That's right. what it felt like. Yeah. There was a, my Aikido instructor used to say that, um, that you really only feel alive when you're operating at the edge of your skill. Cause you're about to fall off. Mm, yeah and, and then yeah, if, like, if I mean, you're not on the edge you're taking up too much room is <laughs> another thing he would say oh that's a good i like that one that's pretty yeah. good yeah because yeah, i mean it's like you know when you were a kid i mean you build ramps and jump your bike on a ramp and like you did all these ridiculous things which were outside you know the convention right. of what you should be doing at the time but right. but you certainly had a great time laughing even when you fell you know exactly well i mean one of the things i i marvel at uh is that how how 
ignorantly arrogant I was when I was in my early 20s, first breaking into Marvel, because I was I, I didn't I wasn't good and I had no idea what I was doing. But I just like I'm like, oh, I'm just going to plow ahead. I'm just going to keep barreling ahead. Yeah. Um, and that kind of unsuspecting confidence, I think, was really helpful <laughs> in, getting, in getting getting me to do stuff like, yeah, sure, I'll do this. Or, yeah, I'll try that. Like, yeah. Right. Uh, it's, you know, I mean, because like, I think it's, and I, I, I relate to that because, I mean, I remember just, you know, I look back, I'm like, how did I do that? Like, how did I like, how did I, how did I swindle all these people into like letting me come into their office, you know, you know, just trying to, you know, and you just did the song and dance to get them to say, yeah, sure. Come on in kid. And, you know, and you walk in, you know, bringing the worst artwork they're going to see for the day, I'm sure. But they, you know, but you did the thing. So you and there was this blind, like you said, this blind confidence. And I think right. you, you need it because I think if you had, if you had too much self-analysis, you might go, yeah, I'm going to go do something else. Well, I think that's one of the things I ran up again, you know, up against was the too much knowledge of, of what I was good at and what I wasn't good at, you know, and letting the things that I wasn't good at be more of a hindrance than the things that I was good at being a motivator. And so I think that's, I think that battle happens for, I mean, I, th- I assume it happens for everyone at a certain age. Yeah. But, um, but I do know that uh, I know lots of artists. And when I was a kid, I heard that Arthur Adams said he didn't like drawing once. Okay. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if it was substantiated or true, but like I had heard that he didn't like drawing anymore. This had to be way back in the, I mean, the early nineties or something. And, uh, cause I guess he wasn't producing as much. And I just asked like, well, what's, what's up with Arthur Adams? And then I don't know. Someone said, Oh, he doesn't like drawing anymore. And I thought like, how can you not like drawing anymore? That doesn't make any sense to me. Of course I've hit that many times. I'm like, well, drawing sucks. (laughs) Drawing is horrible. Totally. Well, man, like (laughs) the amount of hours you have to plug in Mm -hmm. to do, you know, a page it's, it's unbelievable. And I'm, I'm tangenting here a bit, but like someone had posted something, well, they'd done the, they'd done the ubiquitous. Let me see if I can get Neil Gaiman to reply to something I write on the internet, you know, because Neil, Neil is a very generous person. And, and someone said like, Oh, I've got this idea for a comic book in my head. I can see all the things in my head, but I don't, I can't draw so I don't know what to do. What, you know, I don't know what to do, Neil Gaiman. And he replied immediately or whatever he replied saying, well, I guess you need to make friends with an artist. You know, right. that was his response, which I thought was great. I replied to her saying, go easy on yourself. Don't judge yourself on what you're doing against other things. If you think other people's artwork is better than you, that's not, doesn't always have to be the case. If you right. can see this thing in your head, do what you can all nobody knows how to draw, write, or play music without practice. Like right. you have to put the time in to do it. So I think that like maybe that's part of that blindness that you were talking about of going, well, because you look at it and you go, oh, that's not as good as I want it to be. Right. And then you, and then you, you grind back into it. And it, it's and it's horrible. Like that, like I'm sure you probably hate your how you draw hands right now or one of the one of the extremities do you know what I mean like you know like how one of the extremities is the thing you hate the most about what you do I mean to that very point I was just 
doing. So one of the things that's been really great, and I want to thank everyone out there who's gotten a commission from me in the last couple of years, is that uh, animation is is fun, and I like being I like doing animation, but it's it takes a ton of time. And one of the things that's been most fun in the last couple of years is I've done a ton of commissions. I've got a lot of commission work, and that's been a blast because I get to draw the, all the all the fun stuff, right? Just a cool shot of Wonder Man or a cool shot of Spider Man. Um, but I was just working on a cool shot of Beast and Wonder Man, and I was having real problems with Beast's toes. <laughs> I, was, I was having a real – just this morning, I was having a real problem with his toes. It's, it's, I, just, I can remember that cyclical just, you know, annoyance. Like it would just be you know, like, oh, okay, and you, and you focus and you get better and you're like, I'm happy with my hands now. Yeah. But then you go – Oh, those feet are terrible, you know, and then you go, you go chasing after the feet and then you hit the noses and then you go after the eyes. And the next thing you know, and don't put a fedora into the whole thing. Any hat ruin everything, you know? I mean, I just sent you um, a preview of issue three, a, a splash page, a two page splash page where Rondo walks into the bar that's owned by his friend. And it's, there's a lot of uh, animals and it's a cat bar. Um, it's called the starry cat. And I have Rondo has one of those. So what? Oh yeah, I'm looking at it right now, and there are hats. Okay, so Rondo's hat, that long French Three Musketeers hat, that thing is a nightmare every time. I mean, I've drawn, I've drawn through it, I've figured it out, I've tried to sit it on top of things. It's, I just can never make it. Always looks wrong. It just always looks like that doesn't fit on someone's <laughs> head. And you know the problem is, is people don't wear these things anymore, so we don't even have any sort of natural experience of what it looks like. Right. Yeah, that's for sure. But also, I think that there's a, a way to draw hats that um, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez does really well, and um, and then Gene Colan also did really, really well, where the hat can almost act kind of like an expression enhancer. Yes. With, with eyebrow stuff, and I've always wanted to be able to pull that off, but I've never quite figuring it out and maybe it's just i don't wear hats so maybe i should start trying to wear hats more and see if that's part of it yeah maybe you should, maybe you should like you know break into the cool hat game you know find yourself a, <laughs> yeah, there's definitely that'll, that'll bring the versatility the truth to my drawing is, <laughs> totally i'm gonna send james a note to add more hats into the script more hats yeah no that's that's exactly what i need well, poor James, like he is, he's so compassionate and he's so great to work with. And, um, I think he watches me struggle with trying to make it perfect. He's like, Jeff, like, it's good. <laughs> Jeff, just get it done. You're like, I don't want good. I want great. Yeah. And so having the Kickstarter has been super helpful in being like, oh, now I have a deadline. Now I have, I have, um, I can see the steps coming to, to fruition. I can see all the colors and the letters coming back. So I'm like, okay. There's there's now that that outside force that I think I need to to rein me in is there. It's been super helpful. It's the desk across the room with the anchors. Yeah. You know, like having that, having some sort of external structure. It was always like my biggest detriment. You know, I had a great I had a great apartment in Manhattan. I had a beautiful view uptown, wonderful studio, big drawing table with skylight. But man, I had nothing. Standing yeah. over me, saying, <clears throat> "Yeah, you, you got to do the thing, you know." And you gotta it's, do the thing. You got to you got to let it go. And when you're a kid and you're preparing samples, or you're doing your first pages. Like you have this pers- thing you're pursuing, right? So it's that you're motivated and you're driven. Like 
whenever I got a note from Fabian about like, oh, work on this or work on that, I immediately went home and did the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and without a, a, a thought of, is this good enough or any of that's just like, oh, this is the job. I did the job. Now here's the thing. And when I was in animation, I really had that. I mean, that I love that. I mean, you go in the office and you have, we have, here's the deadline. This is, this is it. You know, there there is no there's there's no blowing this, and and everyone's standing around, so everyone's panicked. For sure, I, really, I, I think I thrive on that anxiety in some way. Sure, yeah, or at least a group mass hysteria. You know, <laughs> exactly. We can. Oh, we're all going over to the edge. Great, I'm I'm on board. I don't have to be so worried now. It's all of us. It's all of us. Fantastic. Yeah. No, I I man, I fantasized. You know, when I would go into the offices to drop pages off or, or, you know, or beg for work and you would just look at the empty drawing tables in the, in the bullpen. I go, man, like if I could just show up here in the morning, right. You know, and just draw my pages and go home, I would be so thrilled. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things I loved about having a studio with my old studio mates, Scott Collins and, and, um, Steve Jones and a couple other guys that uh, that I used to live with near in Berkeley. We'd all have a studio space. We all went to that was that was the best because not only did you have someone looking over your shoulder, but he was a friend and also yeah. doing the same thing you were doing. So even if you hit a mental snag, you could just be like Scott, what does this foot look like? For God's sake, help me. Yeah, yeah. At least you have that sort of sounding board. Yeah, and, uh, and like as you said, like you know midlife crisis kind of like looking at life and saying you're ch- i'm choosing loneliness you know a day <laughs> right. yeah like, yeah it's no tough it can be because it's it's such a and drawing is it can be a real like one of the things i love about drink and draw is that we would do it together mm-hmm. we'd all hang out right whether you were drinking or not or 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 even drawing something that was great or just doodling it was that 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 group endeavor and that everyone sort of enjoying that moment, I thought was great. And, and it was really fun because you, when you relax, different stuff pops up, you know, different drawings come out. So yeah, I, I miss, I miss the LA. I mean, I love where I live in Medford, but I, I do miss being close to all the artists, the other artists in, in LA. That was a good time. Yeah. Yeah. I, we, my wife, you know, grapples with like, we should just move out into the country. You know, like she does this all the time. And I'm thinking, man, but like, you're going to go crazy if you don't have people around. Like she yeah. needs, she is the kind of person who needs to be around other people. Mm-hmm. I, have, I, I do have much more of the ability to stay by myself for a longer period of time, right. which probably helped me being a comic book artist or helps me being a writer that I'm like, I don't need to, I don't need anyone. Like I could just type away or whatever the thing is. I think that's, I think that's an important ability to, so my wife is a novelist and and her office is next to my office and we see each other all day. But like at some point we'll realize that we haven't actually spoken to each other for days because we're off in not just different rooms, but different planets sometimes. Right. And I think it's, 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 it's one of the things that I think is hardest about being an artist. It's also one of the greatest things because you can go to your world whenever you feel like it, but it does, it sometimes can be quite isolating. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I, she's, she has a studio, so she goes there mm-hmm. and I think it's easier for her like coming back. I'm, I, I'm kind of always in my head. Like even mm-hmm. when I come back, like I go somewhere and write in the morning, but when I come back, I'm still kind of out there. I don't know if that's, 
I mean, that, that just may be the, my makeup in that respect. Um, I was thinking about, yeah. So like, I mean that, but that's kind of cool. Like the two of you being in your own spaces through the day working, that's kind of yeah. a, that's kind of an interesting thing. What, so, you know, you respond to things at a very early hour here on the East coast. So what time do you get up? <laughs> well, uh, ever since the army, I've always gotten up early. So I've always been, you know, even in my early twenties and stuff, I'm still like a six, six in the morning, six in the morning guy. But as I've gotten older, I've, I've drifted even further down the rabbit hole into like, I'm up by four usually. Okay. That's, that makes sense. I'm up at six. And then that's usually when you'll respond to something like around like 607, you know, it's like (laughs) Jeff Johnson likes this. I'm like, wait, wait, is he standing up? Like, No, I definitely come from the from from the military school. I was always been kind of an early riser, but um, w- but after the military, like you just get you just get used to getting up at five. I remember when I was uh, at my AIT in Denver way back in 1986. Like we got up at three thirty every morning, and you cleaned the barracks and you did all your stuff, and then you went to school for the day, and you were done by three. Um, but uh, it was definitely. It took it took some getting used to, and so you'd be in bed by seven thirty or eight. Right, because you're wiped. Yeah, you're wiped. You're wiped out. So like when they when, like there used to be an old army like uh, promo. It's like we do more before five in the morning than most people do all day. It's because we get up at fucking three in the morning. Like it's just, there's you're and there's no one around it, and people are yelling at you. So of course you're more productive. So. You're- yeah, but let's just let's be fair. You're not getting up at three o'clock in the morning. There's a there's a sergeant waking up. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Someone is definitely banging a drum on your head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's no there's no there is no sleeping in. Yeah. Luxury of sex. Yeah. But four o'clock is that's impressive, man. And and listen, you're I think you're like six months younger than me. So now I'm feeling really like I'm slacking. What time? Oh, yeah, but listen, I will take a nap. And I will also be out by nine o'clock. Like if there's, <laughs> if there's something like if we had to, I was just, um, uh, whenever I just got Collins and I were at a show in Memphis. And so you have like, you, you get up and you do the show and then you want to hang out and do dinner and stuff and everything. And like, we both worked on sketches and, and we were both in bed, like a couple old men, both in bed by nine thirty, And that, that was like, we're missing the show. We're missing all the other stuff. I'm like, oh, I can't. Can't, can't do it yeah no i i man i'm so tired going to shows i don't do a lot of shows but i, I you know i do heroes every year and like you know go out to the things and i'm like i just want to go to sleep i just said <laughs> like and it's like nine o'clock and they're just like hey we're gonna go i'm like cool have fun exactly. i'm gonna go to sleep yeah yeah no i gotta i mean i've gotta be i've gotta learn how to do uh Time management's always been a struggle. And part of my thing for my birthdays, I promised myself, I'm like, I'm going to get better at getting up, making a list, making a schedule, doing all this. It's an odd thing to give yourself as a birthday present. But like, I'm going to learn this skill so that for the next however many years I've got left where I can still draw, I can actually do the things that I want to do. Um, because maintenance becomes much more of an issue. Like, I've got to get some exercise. I've got to stretch. You've got to eat the right stuff. Yeah. Um, too many of uh, our compatriots are jacked, like shoulders are messed up, backs are messed up. And I've, I do not want to play that game because um, it, it's, it's, it's horrible. No, it's, it's, it's bad. And like, I, 
you know, and, and not, not even like, not even just like the physical, like sort of the, the, you know, the musculoskeletal stuff, like there's a lot of like health issues that uh-huh. people are not addressing now that we're in our, you know, mid fifties. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, and I, listen, I think that's the greatest gift you can give yourself. I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm not joking. Like I have been, I mean, cause for me, it's the same battle it, and I, and we're not alone in this, mm-hmm. you know, in this battle of like how to, you know, time management, getting things organized. Like I like started doing bullet journaling. Um, What's bullet journaling. Okay. So, so it's like, it's, it's not journaling in like, you know, dear diary. I'm, you know, like, it's not that it's for your day. Like you sit down and you, so you have like the, the journal starts off, you write all the months of the year down mm-hmm. and then you, then you write all the days of the, of January down. And if you know things that are going to happen on those days in January, you write them down there. And then you do a single day every day. You, you just write the date and then you bullet out what you're going to do that day. Mm-hmm. And so you have tasks. You can go, okay, I need to do this, 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 and this. Like you're on my, my journal list today. Okay. You know, talk with Jeff and I have to, you know, record an intro after this and then plop it onto, you know, uh, an edited show and then post it. So it goes out tomorrow morning. So like, if I don't put those things in the list, I'll be like up till 11 o'clock at night trying to like get all that stuff done because I did other things because I didn't sort of task oriented myself. And the only way that I can do that is I wake up in the morning and I meditate. So if I don't meditate, my head is all over the place. And so I meditate and then I bullet journal and then I can kind of get into the day. You know, I make my oatmeal and then I have the food. Like it's, I mean, yeah, it's old people talk. But it's it's funny though, because it's productive old people talk. And if I had had these lessons when I was in my twenties, perhaps my career would not have had so many hiccups and and bumps and stuff. Right. Because that wasn't something I learned to do really until I went to cross gen or I, and then animation afterwards, um, and then even that I have to remember those skills and self-impose those parameters now that I'm, I'm not in a, an office setting. And it can be tricky because mm-hmm. you want to balance it with, I want to give myself the freedom to journey into this other world and, who, and lose time. But like, you still have to get the basics done, right? Like, no matter how great a drawing might be that's super in-depth that I've created, if I, miss the, if I don't get it out and no one gets to read it, what was the point? Right. It doesn't happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, and there's, I mean, we know, I mean, like the, the, the uh, you know, if it's a scheduled book, well, there, that's, there's no other thing more important than hitting that schedule. It doesn't yeah. matter how good the drawing is. They don't care. Right. They really don't. They're just like, we need the book done. Um, yeah. It's, it's one of those things. So like, I think for you to say that, like, and do that, like be like aware of it, it's huge because, you know, we're not our parents. We're going to be working for a lot longer than our parents did. That's the hope, you know? And, and it's like, and it's like, I love that point of view. Like that's the hope versus like, "Eh, you're right. I mean, because like, you know, we're creative people. So we chose a career where we actually like want to do the things that we do. Uh And so we kind of want to be, you know, relevant and engaged and, you know, productive for as long as possible. Totally. Well, I know that it bugs my wife, but I tell her like my plan is to die at my desk. <laughs> so I mean, if, so so have fun because you're gonna find me someday. Well, maybe, at my desk. 
you know, maybe you can help her out and get like some sort of giant, you know, bag, mm. you know, that you can put your seat, your chair right on top of. So when she does come in, she can just kind of pull the bag up and seal it up. And then, you know, yeah, that's fair. I think that's a a fair compromise. (laughs) Neat and clean, you know? So yeah, I have my chair, but I'm also sort of half in a body bag just in case. Yeah. Yeah, No, I think that's cool. Yeah. I think she just pull it on over and zip it up and then call the, call the coroner, you know? I think that's, I mean, that's the best she's going to (laughs) get. That's the best offer she's going to (laughs) get. You're welcome. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it, I mean, it's, I mean, it's a challenge, man. Like my midlife crisis was writing a novel, mm. you know, like, Hey, I'm going to embark on this course. Like, right. you know, how, how much less security could I aim for? You know, uh, you know, maybe a shot at the NBA or to become a movie star at this age. Man, writing a novel is no joke. My wife, I think she's on 175 it's it's insane what your wife the amount your wife is oh, written. she's 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 an inspiration when it comes to time management productivity getting into the zone staying into the zone and, and grinding she's amazing um and so uh so that's always frustrating to watch her do it well and then me not do it well so that's part of the I, i'm gonna definitely employ the bullet list the link to it i mean it's a book you can you can buy it on amazon or pick it up anywhere and just okay. you know it, it to be honest, it's been so helpful for me to have something that I can refer to because I think that's the thing. Like, you know, you, you know, I have an app on my phone called things and I've used it for years. And, but I find that when I'm going through my day, I don't, I don't pull out my phone and look at the thing to say, what do I do next? Mm-hmm. So I need, you need to have the device, you need to have the thing where you're going to look for it. Right. So like, being a kid of sketchbook, you know, sort of growing up using sketchbooks, like, well, a, a book. And as a designer, like your book is what you have. You always have your notebook with you to sketch something in there or write something down. So I always just like, that's the thing that I'm going to refer to. So I've got this one right here. What's that? This is, uh, so it's a great sketchbook. I got, it's got the, the Da Vinci, you know, embossed thing on the thing, but this is, this is my science fiction book. So I have just whenever I think of a science fictiony robot something idea I'll put it I'll put it in here. That's great. And yeah, this is this is this is a fun one. But like it's right here. So the minute I have stuff and I have over here I just have a, a tray of whenever I have an idea I I put it down I put it in the tray. So if I don't have time to um, to really flesh the idea out I'll just put it in and that way I can whenever I have time I just come I come back to it. But yeah, having a sketchbook on hand yeah is something i've done since i was a kid and that's like you know and like it goes back to that writing writing with word or you know writing with pictures mm-hmm. like, like that's what you're doing you're like idea just sketch the idea out right and store it you know like yeah. that's a, that it's a thing um okay so you get up really early in the morning like what's your work day like like how do you like how do you block it out i try so i get up and i um do i I do a lot of like whatever emails I have to do, whatever um, businessy type stuff I have to do, take care of the animals and the, you know, basic household chore type stuff. And then I'm usually sitting down at my desk by seven. Um, okay. And then uh, trying to do some drawing. And so I'd have a list uh, up here on my wall of the things that I have to get done. And then as I finish them off, I 
write them off a list. And then, um, and then throughout the day, I'll, I'll walk a dog, I'll go to karate or I'll, um, just try and work. I just try and work throughout the day. I mean, the, the problem is I need to get a friend of mine, Tim, who is an amazing storyboard artist has a, um, he has an egg timer by his desk. Mm-hmm. And so when you're doing storyboards, you have so many little drawings that you have to do that like he'll, he'll give himself a minute. So he'll just flip the egg timer when it goes. Wow. Um, and I think I need something like that because then I'll look up and it'll be like four in the afternoon. So I think my real issue is that time just slips away. Um, okay. So that's the other, the other thing I do. I, so yeah. there's a thing called the Pomodoro method. So okay. the Pomodoro method is, so you work for a period of time and then you, re- and then you, you take a break, a short okay. break, you know, like five minutes if that's what it is. And like, so I was doing like 25 minutes of writing five minutes off. And I would just do that like eight times, you know, for my writing session every morning. Um, but I found that to be a little bit frenetic. So I do 50 minutes with 10 minute break. And in that 10 minute break, you know, I'll run to the bathroom, I'll reply to an email, whatever the thing is, check social media because, you know, right. And then that 10 minutes is up and then you're back and then you're back in. And I found that having that rhythm of like on off, on off, like from my mind mm-hmm. helps me stay focused. So the second that thing, that thing goes ding, my mind is like back to the writing, you know, really? and my, head, my head is down okay. and I'm flying through the thing. And the interesting thing is that it, you know, you're sort of in the middle of something. So if you're in the middle of a drawing and the thing goes bing, you know, you're like, Oh, I want to finish this. But like, you don't, but that tension sort of like is still there. So when you go do your stuff, you come back and it bings again, that tension's, it's not gone. Like you, you can, can jump go- right back in. You don't have to get back on the train. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So this interview is actually super helpful for me trying to get stuff done. <laughs> I, I mean, I know we've talked about rogues a little bit, but man, this is way better. <laughs> well, it's, it's like, I mean, like I, I just, I know, like, like I said earlier, like all the overlaps are there, like mm-hmm. for so many people. And I, and it's, and this isn't me saying I've got the answers and I do everything right. And haha, fuck you guys. Like, right. it's like, it's me saying I struggle with this every day, every right. day. I don't win every day. And right. it's, and, and I go, and I don't beat myself up over it anymore. Like I used to carry, carry that forever, you know, like it's yeah. tough. Maybe that's why half, half the reason I do this stupid podcast is because I'm like, carrying all my disappointment for not being, you know, you or Dave or, you know, any one of my peers from the time, you know? So. Well, I mean, I do think it's great to, it's so funny how similar we all are, even though we come from all kinds of different backgrounds and all over the country, there's just something inherently, uh, you know, joint, like there's just a similarity between comic book, like people who make comics and Mm -hmm. love comics. Like there's, there's just something about all of us who make stuff. And when I was talked to Howard Chaikin or Neil Adams or Walt Simonson, there is an uh, inherent similarity between all of us Yeah. That, that I think is this, this constant negotiation between creativity and judgment. And it's, it's a really, I think it's at our core. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think by and large creativity beats up judgment a lot. did. <laughs> in our decision-making matrix, but, um, yeah, it's, 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 I mean, it's a challenge. I had, I had a, um, 
So I went to a table at a convention for the first time in 24 years. Yeah. What was that like? Um, sadly, the, the, the attendance was really low. So was I, that heroes was that a different show. Oh, this was, this was beer city comic con okay. here in Nashville. And so there weren't a lot of people on the floor. So I didn't get overwhelmed with, you know, you know, all the people coming to look at 25 year old artwork. There's um, a, you, there is a ton, there's a huge, I, I just, I downplayed it. I, I downplayed it with so many people at heroes who are saying you should have a table. And I go, right. well, I'm like, who wants to look at 25 year old artwork? And someone just did this, like wave their arm around and go, well, pretty much all the people who come to the comic convention, idiot. I'm like, oh yeah. yeah. So, but it was great. But I also got to be on panels, which I had mm-hmm. never done panels before. So I was a on one and I was a moderator for another and I was just given the topic. I didn't even get to come. I, I wasn't asking to come up with my own, but they're like, Hey, here's your topic. And you're going to have Frank Cho, a Navy seal and, um, a philosopher of the Stoics. On I would like to see that panel. Did you guys record that? That sounds fascinating. I, th- I think it's recorded somewhere. And, and it was, uh, Peter Parker on resiliency and responsibility. That was fascinating. The- and it was great. It was it was absolutely great. I mean, how did Frank I Cho get into that mix because of his? How did Frank Cho get on that panel? I think they just wanted to have like comic book person up there, okay. like you know, like I I don't I don't know if I completely legitimately classify as that you know to the lay person. So, um, right. and Frank had no idea what he was doing there. He like kind of walked in like, oh, what am I doing here? Like I'm just like I don't know if I would describe Frank as a stoic. No, I would, I, I would, I would not. describe him more as an Epicurean. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a very, that's an erudite joke that <laughs> I hope, I hope Frank is not insulted by. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Um, but it was, it was, it was, but so what I, what I found, because I used to go to conventions, like go to New York Comic Con because I lived in Manhattan mm-hmm. after I was in the business and I got really bored. Like I'm so used to sitting at a table and talking to people and having a lovely time, you know, reviewing portfolios or whatever the thing is with somebody. And I found, I found myself to have no purpose at a convention. And that was kind of heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. And then I did the, started the podcast and then we'll go to conventions and I can talk to artists and say, Hey Jeff, you think you'd like to come on the show? And you're like, go away. I'm making money. And like that's that's like we're talking about it, a different Jeff, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and that was the kind of that was the kind of thing. I'm like, okay, I like doing that, but sitting at a table is odd because I don't. Ha- I'm not like selling something, uh-huh. you know, and uh, hardly selling me. So like I, I, you know, I'm like, hey, look at artwork or listen to a podcast, and it's it's they're kind of so disparate in some way that people don't know what to do when they walk up to me. Um, so I maybe should juggle or something. Um, I, I, I can teach you how it's not that hard. I, I know how I taught myself. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> can you do clubs? What? Can yeah, clubs? I, can, I can. Yeah. No blades, but I'll do clubs. I know yeah. I was, I was working up to machetes, but I never quite got there. That's pretty gutsy. I, I like my hands too much. Dull, dull, dull machetes. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not flaming sharp machetes. Not sharp ones, no. No. So it, I, it, I, so I have to do some thinking as to where I think I might fit into a convention. Like I like panels uh-huh. because I do like talking, uh-huh. much like you, uh-huh. and and I like talking to people. I love I love doing critiques. I would sit I would sit at a table and do art 
expertise all day if I could. Yeah, I mean, I love talking. About, I mean, there's a few, very few things I love talking about more than comics and, and art and how they fit together. Yeah. yeah. Do you still have any artwork from the olden days? Yeah, I ended up. Ha- I ended up found I have five. I had five folio books of artwork. Awesome. Yeah, I like was digging through all my stuff. And I'm like, oh my god, I have all. The- I had to order like another folio book to put them in there. That's great. Do you have the stuff? Is your stuff? I mean, I I don't have many of them left, but I love when it was hand lettered on the page. Hand lettered stuff, man. Yeah, that's the best. <laughs> that that's imp- that stuff is a. It's it's historic. I don't think no no one does it that way anymore. No. Um, that's my favorite. I mean, that's my favorite page with the hand lettering. I love it's, that stuff. And then you had the shameful ones of yours, which have the paste ups on there, and you know, like that was because you were late. Yes. <laughs> yes. For a long time, the pace ups would fall off, and I would collect them at the bottom of the box because the old. I don't know if you kept yours in the old FedEx boxes, but I did mine. The other, and so you and you just put those. You just like, where did this go? Where, where did this balloon go? I think it's like a David Bowie song. Like you're just sticking different, you know, balloons onto stuff, and be like, exactly. cool, man, whatever yeah. fits. Yeah, yeah. The yellow. I call them the yellow stains of shame on the pages. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> where the glue is just faded, and the yeah. 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 Um, so, I mean, like, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to be, I'm not, I'm not hyperbolic when I say this, like this is some of the absolute best artwork I've ever seen you do. And this, oh. and it's not to like knock anything you've done because, you know, you do amazing work, but this is like, you're truly inspired like to on this, on this stuff. Thanks man. Yeah. I have to say that it's, there's something about, I, I always feel like my, my best work in, because I feel like I have some technical skills, but I think the thing that I, that I'm best at is making an emotional connection with the characters. Like I always really like one of the reasons I liked Green Lantern is because I knew who Kyle, I get Kyle. So right. drawing Kyle for me was, well, I could, it was easy to picture and it was easy to feel like I knew what he was doing. I knew why he was doing it. Um, and then the same was true with Wonder Man. Like I knew I, I, I get him. Right. Yeah. I, I understand what he's doing. And, and it's also true of Peter Parker, but like, um, I had a terrible time. I did not think I did a very good Batman or Superman. I, I, I knew, I knew how to draw them. And I think that I was functional, but I didn't think I brought anything to that particular table. And when it comes to, uh, to rogues is like, I, I know these guys inside and out. Like there's, um, I feel I, when I'm drawing them, I, I feel them. They, I, I can, it's almost as though the, I can tell while I'm drawing, if it's right or wrong, just by the way the drawing feels. And so mm-hmm. the characters will talk to me in a way that I think other times that's never really happened before. And so I'm so invested in the, in this world that everything, every little thing matters. And I'm spending a lot of time with it. And I think 15 years of doing animation, I just got to practice other skills. Like yeah. just one of the things that's great about anime and I recommend it to anyone who wants to become better as an artist, whether it's an animation or just something you do on your own is just, it's that intensive focused practicing we talked about earlier is like for years, I just did characters. I just worked on shape and creating in line combinations and just trying to make, um, and turning characters and just doing that one aspect of, of comic book creation. And then for another, I was just a background artist for a while and I just did storyboards and really getting able to, and I think that changed the way that I approach comics. And so my, I think my understanding of the picture is a lot 
deeper than it used to be when I was before I'd done animation. I think that's coming out, and I definitely feel it in the drawings. Yeah, I mean, I mean, really is like kind of next level stuff. I mean, like I think the clarity, like we were talking about clarity earlier. Like I think this definitely is like completely clear. Like you are composing the shots and moving the eye in the way, and you're not over. I mean, even though you have tons of detail in your in your pages, you're still not like muddling where where the where the eye needs to go. Right. Thanks. Yeah, that that's been that's been one of the things that I found learning how to ink um, and learning and learning to, to compose pictures in uh, when you're doing animation. So you're just making sure that the uh, like the picture moves, but it's also very important that you how each the thing about animation is that every panel must relate to the panels on each side of it in a way mm-hmm. that because otherwise it's nauseating. I think when you watch them move and that they don't work together. So right. you can actually, it makes, it makes you feel weird and it gives you kind of a headache when you jump around. So trying to bring that smoothness to the comic book page has been uh, like, it's been in it. It's, I think it's really made me see comics differently. I'm like, Oh, I could do this or I can control this aspect of it in a way. I think I, before I was just kind of swinging in the dark. Mm-hmm. Now I get why I'm doing it. So, um, yeah, I, fe- I feel better. I feel better about it. I feel like I'm finally doing what I was supposed to be doing the whole time, but didn't know how. That's amazing. Like I did, like I'm jealous. Like I'm totally jealous. Like, <laughs> I, 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 so like you, I, it's almost like you did all this, you know, heavy, long years of work, but it, what it did is it, it clarified the vision that's always been sort of in your head. Yeah, I, I would say so, because I learned to, to pair away, like, cause I think one of the things I got away with when I was younger was just enthusiasm because mm-hmm. I would draw what I thought was fun and I was, would draw it as best as I could at the time. But I like, I remember I told poor Dan, I remember I was studying Escher uh, when I was working on Wonder Man, and I um, was really interested in trying to figure out perspective and uh, and bent perspective and where, how the eye works and what that feels like in a drawing. And poor Dan, I handed him a two-page spread once of basically a huge banana pan Escher-style perspective with uh, all these tiles breaking and falling in everywhere and it took me forever to figure out and completely unnecessary to the story sure um (laughs) i just wanted to see his face when when he saw it for the first time because it was ludicrous there was no reason for it but it was fun now i have that same sort of like fun but it's 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 focused and it gets it's it's useful as opposed to just being interesting yeah that's that's definitely the animation coming through so the pages i mean are you drawing pencil are you inking digitally like how are are you doing it all traditionally like what's your so i i've tried so when i do animation i almost exclusively draw on the cintiq it's it's like drawing on glass it took me a long time to get used to um and it's i get it i get why people do digital and and the debate was do i want to do digital because it's faster and it still looks great or do I want to take the extra time to do it on paper? And I decided to go for paper because I'm a dinosaur and there's something about drawing on paper that I liked. Yeah. Um, 
and I really wanted to have the actual thing. I like holding the mm-hmm. thing. Um, so I will do, I'll read the script and I'll do some thumbnails and I'll play with those for a little while. And then I'll do um, ballpoint, a ballpoint pen version of uh, the page. Um, and that's some of the stuff I sent you, like the cat one. That's all ballpoint pen. Um, Dude, that's crazy. Yeah, so I'll pencil, I'll pencil it rough, and then I'll ballpoint pen it, and then um, I'll fiddle with it quite a bit in Photoshop to make sure that I like where everything is at, and I'll change stuff, and I'll and I'll redraw things when I need to, and then I'll print that up, and then I'll light table ink it. Okay. Um, yeah. So the um, but the the middle stage between penciling and inking that Photoshop stage is, I mean, I will spend forever like noodling moving this guy a micron over this way or changing a hat and doing all this stuff to like get it just the way I like it. And then I'll, um, I have this light table that I built out of a wall fixture. Like it's a big light wall fixture. Okay. Control the, the lumens. And so it's, it's, as, it's gigantic. Um, and so I have that in the garage in my studio out there. And so I'll sit down, turn the radio on or put it like something that I, that I have, you don't have to think about. I have to think about it, put it in, and just just ink it, just like yeah. work on the lines. Um, and that took me forever. I don't know if you ink your own. I mean, you do ink your own stuff, right? I did. Yeah, I inked a bunch of my own stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It took me forever to figure out how to ink. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like like a long time. It took a long time because it's because I'm used to shape, and I'm not a line guy. I'm not a a, a cross hatchy. You know. Um, me neither. Yeah, but I had to learn the fundamentals of inking to make it work because I tried doing it with just the ballpoint pen stuff, which has a lot of life in it, but it's also kind of sketchy and it didn't it just didn't look right. It yeah. didn't it didn't give the book the the classic fantasy feel that I wanted. So part of the reason it's taken so long to get to this stage is like I had to learn how to ink my own stuff. Um because it, there's, you know, I can't afford Dan anymore <laughs> dan's dan's busy doing his own great work yeah yeah, yeah. for, for he sure doesn't have, he doesn't have time to help fix my stuff anymore <laughs> well what did you settle on for inking because like uh, for me you know inking got to a micron pen defining lines like okay here are all my yep. shapes and then i would go in with a brush and i would then go yep. over that to emphasize it's a uh... It's this guy, which is basically just a Japanese pen brush thing, and then uh, not refillable. And then I have some that are refillable that I will use. And then just, yeah, just a collection of microns. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 The idea of dipping a pen and doing the crow quill stuff, I can't, that was a bridge too far. I couldn't even get my head around that. I never got the hand of the the crow quill. I just never did. Uh, I was much more comfortable with a brush. And, you know, and that was just, and I mean, that was me wanting to be, you know, golden because yeah. he was like, cause like when I'm like 21 years old or 20 years old and I'm in his office and he's like, Oh, I just think everything with a, you know, a, you know, a series seven number eight. And I'm like, you know, and my head is just breaking. Oh, that's a big fat brush. Yeah. Listen, that your reaction was my reaction, you know? <laughs> when i was a kid like because i owned one it was like a number one you know like i'm like that seemed dangerous um so i would just you know 
incessantly try to use that thing, try to ink and ink and ink and figure it out. And, you know, I don't, I'd never say I got close to being great at it, but I mean, it was just, but it was the tool that I understood the most. And, you know, I do, I have a, I have an iPad and I have a Cintiq and I still never feel the inking on those things feels anything remotely close to a real inking job, like ink on paper. Yeah. And that was my feeling too. As much as I could see doing it, I could never get the handle on it. Like Ron Garney inks, um, and he was one of the ones advocating for me inking on on the Cintiq because that's how he does it. And he's mm-hmm. able to get the, the best of lines and stuff looks amazing. But I was yeah. never able to to get something that felt right to me. And I just think that, A, Ron's amazing. So it's, <laughs> that's, hey, that's... There's that. I mean, there's that. He's a, he's a damn genius. So, But I was never able to quite get the feel of it to right. make it to, to work for me. So I went back to just doing it on paper. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I finished up a couple of things for the convention. Like I like had things that were just sitting around unfinished. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up inking them and I was, I'm like, Oh yeah. Like this is so much more successful than anything I've inked on the, on the computer over right. the years. So I get it. So, you know, whatever works for anybody, fine. You know, I, Agreed. I just, absolutely. Yeah. Like I would never want to, uh, harsh on anyone for choosing whatever they're choosing. But for yeah. me, I like, and I also think that on some emotional level, right. Some like some just egotistical level, yeah. I'd like having the, the thing, the page, right. Yeah. It, it can, it connects me to the things I like about comics. Um, whereas the, the, having the, the digital copy, I don't feel that same sort of, uh, success in a drawing. Yeah. Like I don't quite, it's just not, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's, a, I mean, it's a different thing. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a different thing. And I think, you know, I remember when I was teaching, so I don't, I, I took over Dave's class at, a, at an ad school in Atlanta. That's, that's how I ended up in the design world. Uh. And they had a photography department and it was at the time when the digital SLRs were just coming out. And mm-hmm. I was like, why would anybody be going off to school to learn anything but how to use a digital SLR and, a, and, and Photoshop? Because as a production tool, that's what anybody's going to use moving forward. Right. At that point, film cameras were an art, became an art tool. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting thing because I think about like if someone's, if I was younger or if I was like for some reason hit in the head and decided I was going to do comics for a living now. Like I would terrible idea, by the way, I mean, I'm doing it, but it's not, it's not, I have to have severe head trauma to agree. (laughs) And I would, I would probably only do it digitally because Mm. as as a production tool, it's a no brainer, right? It'll draw a straight line for me. Done. Done. Uh, You know, but if someone said, Hey, you don't have to worry about money for a year and you can draw a comic book, Alex, it would be all on paper. Yeah. So my my dream is to uh, is to be even less efficient and have <laughs> <laughs> and have my pages hand lettered on the page. That's oh my gosh, I didn't yeah, even think of that factor. I know, right? Well, because you're not as yeah, you're not as crazy as I am. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's my my dream is to be far enough ahead and and have enough um, forethought really to to pencil it 
and then send it to a letterer and have them letter it. I mean, obviously John Workman would be the, 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 <laughs> the, the dream, but there's so many great guys out there that's do that still do hand lettering though. It's rare. Um, pay them whatever they wanted for hand lettering and then ink the pages and then have the finish, the finished page. But that's, it's not, it's not efficient. And it's certainly not smart <laughs> to do it that way. No, I, I don't, you know, I, I want to, I want to get back into, into the Kickstarter in a second, but sure. I just, I wonder like how there is, you know, there's such a market for so many different things in this world, you know? Right. And I think about like comics and how we have such, there's, there's kind of a deficit except for like the artist edition things. And like, you know, when you get IDW putting out like the Parker books and that kind of stuff, we don't have right. a very, <clears throat> a very luxury approach to some things. And I would just, I would love to see a project that's, you know, this whole hand done thing. Yeah. Well, I think, I think Walt Simonson still is doing that on Ragnarok. I think he, I think John Workman is hand lettering his thing. Mm. I could be wrong. Um, but I think that's where, that's where I kind of thought like, oh, this is still a possibility. Oh, that's, I would love to have those pages. I would love to have just the artistry of the, the ink, the letters on the page. I would love that. No, I, I get it. I mean, yeah. and it's, you know, and, and, and listen, there are people doing digital lettering, which is unbelievably good. And I don't, and it, it improves the quality of the book on a graphic design level that, oh yeah, you know, it's unparalleled, but you know, there's the, there's the old fart in me that wants to see that thing too. Agreed. I mean, look, is it, is it pure ego? Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's no other reason than because it's something that I want, but like it's, because it's it's way smarter to do it digitally because it say you have to change something or put it in a different language or any of those things, it's just way better. And my friend Troy is inking the is, is lettering the book and he's an amazing letterer and he's I've known him since CrossGen and he's he's great. Um, and it's digital and it looks amazing. But like, there's just something about pulling a page. I have a an old John Basima page up here from uh, when he did the Avengers, uh, the Avengers annual and he inked it himself and it's hand lettered and it's, I mean, I don't have many prize possessions. I'm not, I don't care about stuff much, but like, I love looking at that thing <laughs> I look at it every day. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, it's the thing I'm going to, I'm going to have to, I have to pull out the lettered pages of mine and just and, and lock them in a box or something now. Yeah. Um, yeah. so give me the, give me the overview of what the Kickstarter is, what the book is, how many issues? What's this? What's the scope and scale of this this kingdom? Okay, so it's the the Kickstarter is it's just the first issue, which is done except for some lettering and some coloring. So we're in the middle of finishing that right now. Mm -hmm. And then the goal is to do a Kickstarter for every issue. Um, and then the first story arc is five issues. And then the goal then would be to put all those five issues into a trade paperback and either find a publisher or also Kickstarter that depending on uh, what we can find interest in. And then James and I have the next story arc, which is probably six issues already planned and thought out. And then we have several other arcs that are, are possibilities. Um, so the goal is to do a hundred issues. We have, there's, there's so many ideas we have, it's such a huge world. Did James tell you about his novel that he wrote? He did. He's sending me a copy of it. Yeah, I've read some of it. I haven't read it all yet. Um, well, I'm helping you out in this one. 
because he's he cited that and I told him what I do with my uh, my readers. I print up copies for them from you know an on-demand printer. So I send him all the links and a discount code. So right. you'll you'll be getting a copy. I know, yeah. He told me yesterday he's doing that, and that's a great thing because I do I his I'm loving it and his writing is amazing, but reading a screen is it's tedious. Yeah. It, well, it, it's all, it's, I can't also, I don't know about you, but my vision has been <laughs> what these glasses aren't telling you enough that I need to. Well, I mean, I don't know about you, but I wear contacts and I have to wear these glasses. Oh, I don't do that, but yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> right. the eyes yeah. get tired. Yeah. I have a couple of different readers for just having conversation like this, where I need to maybe work on the, the, the screen. And then mm-hmm. I have a particular set of readers that I have for inking. And if I don't wear my glasses while I'm doing that, then I have to be right up on the page yeah. doing it, right? So age has made the process a little more difficult and a lot of, and psychologically more challenging too, because the idea of going blind, not <laughs> it's it's a deep seated fear. It's low on my list of things to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, fix my eyes. Um so the so we have we have a hundred issues possible, and so and the world is there's the the basic story of the first story arc of Rogue's Kingdom is that there's Peachy and Rondo who are the two main characters. It's the um, the kid and the guy with the beard who looks like Warlord. Um, they are in trouble, and in the opening of the story, you've seen the work where they they are in a, a prison caravan. They're on their way to get. Um, basically put in jail or executed for crimes. And then the caravan is attacked by um, a rival faction. We don't know who it is at first. It, it, um, there's, three, there's three main kingdoms, um, city-states, and uh, they, this caravan, so they're having a re- the replacement wizard of Lumpland's replacement wizard is the, the little kid, Maliki, and his guardian. Um, they're in the front of the caravan. So the caravan gets attacked. Um, Peachy and Rondo survive, and then uh, instead of, of escaping, uh, Peachy, who is a little scamp, comes up with the idea of impersonating Maliki and uh, the other guy in front, and then going to the city, pretending to be the wizard and the guardian, and then stealing a bunch of stuff and skedaddling. So that's the, that's what the plan is. Um, but it turns out that both Peachy and Rondo wind up being a great wizard and a great guardian, and they get embroiled in the politics, and they wind up saving the kingdom and doing all that stuff. So they're they're very much reluctant heroes, but they wind up being the right hero for the time. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I, I lo- a I love that story. Like I just love um, because we get to play with some stuff. Like each one of them has to pretend to be this other thing while actually fulfilling that role better than anyone could possibly imagine better even than the people who are originally going to do it. Um, so that's that the first story arc is about them and their adventures. Um, and then the second story arc is going to be about the, we meet the princess and she is our Zorro character. And so it's more about her and peachy. And then um, James's novel hints at a connection between the world she goes to where there's dragons and then his novel. And then there, and then, then there's going to be a wizard challenge and there's going to be, I mean, we have so much super cool stuff planned. The dream would be to do, um, to be able to Kickstarter every issue and give everyone a chance to participate in all the, 
the collector side and the supporting the comic book side, and then put out the trade paperbacks for people who um, don't have necessarily access to Kickstarter or just buy stuff in a bookstore. Sure. Yeah. James actually didn't go into the sort of the scope of it oh. and um, fantasy. Right. It's deep, deep in my heart, you know, so I just get so excited when I think about it. Yeah. At one point, like I'm so, I'm so excited about having it come out and being able to keep doing more and more of it. There's so much fun stuff because I'm a fantasy head too. Like I, I love it. Um, oh, and a quick bonus. I want to tell you, one of the things we're going to do uh, as a stretch goal is I put together a character sheet Hmm. Uh, for the main character, Rondo. And for each issue, we'll put together a character sheet so you could play him in D&D oh, if you wanted awesome. to. Oh, yeah. No, that was a friend of mine, uh, Curtis's idea. He's like, you should make a character sheet of this character. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I would like, <laughs> it was such a light bulb. I'm like, hell yeah. So um, rolled, we rolled him up. We got his, you know, we figured out what his stats were. It's great. And so that's going to be- Cool. Um, yeah, it's going to be a bonus. And you'll get one for all the main characters throughout- for this Kickstarter, it's Rondo. For the next one, it'll be Peachy. And the next one after that, it'll be Princess Terra. Um, so that eventually you'll be able to play uh, Rogue's Kingdom in D&D if you want to. I love that. Right, right. It's, it was such a good idea. It was so... It's like a it no-brainer. Right? But I hadn't thought of it. My friend's like, well, why do you do that? Because I'm an idiot. I never heard no, of no, it. I mean, it's, 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 listen, take it where you can get it. That, I love that. Oh, yeah. And as a writer... And as a D&D player, one of the things that was really interesting is like, I know these characters inside and out, but like trying to figure out what their stats were, sure. like trying to figure out what... Oh, the okay, gear. So, oh, yeah. So he's, again, what's his gear? He's a swashbuckler, but he has to do this thing. So that's a fighter in this level. And um, and James and I had not had never talked about his height, but like I had to figure out how how tall he was. And and luckily we had, the, we were simpatico and all that stuff, but it was... It's a very interesting way to approach character. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's super. I love that. Yeah. It's, you know, it, there are these things that, yeah, that I hear and I go, Oh yeah, this is the kind of cool thing. Like, like if you're a writer and you've played a lot of D and D, like maybe do want to make character sheets of your characters just so you have even a more fleshed out idea. Like, and I know that there's lots of sort of like writers character sheets, but I mean like a D and D character sheet, which yeah. might help you just envision things just a little bit better. It was, so we, one of the things that really helped, so we, I haven't done the one for Peachy yet. We'll do that one for the next Kickstarter, but he's a wizard. Mm-hmm. And I have a very clear idea of how his magic works and what kind of magic it is, but trying to figure out what school of magic that is in the D&D world, what kind of spells that means, what kind of, like, what are the items, what are the pros and cons? It was, it's a fascinating exercise. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. So are, what other stretch goals do you guys have there? I know that you have a bunch of um, variant cover stretch goals. So we have um, we have variant covers. We have one from Zach Howard, one from Brennan. He's doing one. Um, I have to do one because I, I did this. Uh, I think the cover I sent you is the wraparound cover. Mm-hmm. And so pretty late in the game, we decided to make the wraparound cover a uh, a special deluxe version of the book. So we'll have more stuff in the back and we'll do the wraparound cover, which means I now have to do a new cover. <laughs> more work. I mean, it's I, I'll chase the idea <laughs> and pay the price. So yeah, I have to do a new cover. So I'm doing uh, the, the basic um, A cover and then Dave Johnson's going to do a cover. Uh, Brand's doing a cover. We have Ryan Sook doing one and Zach Howard's doing one. So we have those as 
they're not they're not necessarily stretch goals. I think those are just you can get those covers. Okay. Yeah, those are options. Um, and then I have um, uh, postcards. I made like old school like travel postcards for Lumpland. Very like, cool. Visit historic Lumpland, and like I have um, some postcards I'm doing, and James is writing cool little stuff on the back. The the character sheet card um, is going to be a stretch goal. I'm doing. I have a live thing um, for the for the launch party. That's a big poster that I'll be adding that as a digital, like a wallpaper. Um, and then uh, one of the other goals I want to do is I want to, if we reach certain places, I want to then send everybody a black and white PDF of, of the art. And oh, everything. wow. Nice. Right. Yeah. Just a little, like, I think if we can, cause um, I think black and white is cool. Um, Brandon's colors are obviously amazing, but I think having seeing behind the scenes sometimes is fun. So that'll be one of the stretch goals. So I think, yeah, that's, uh, that's, I think that's it. I think those are all of our stretch goals. Do you have any suggestions for some? Um, I always say less, less stuff. And yeah, more, more digital. You know, you know, yeah. like, especially if you can go digital all the better. Cause I think, you know, you, you can, you, you can get something in people's hands quickly. They're excited. Right. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's why the digital black and white version and like the digital wallpaper and those kind of things that we can get the rewards out right away. So you can keep, just protect your bottom line and these things, you know, don't hey uh, t-shirts and all this, like just keep it simple, stupid, you know? Yeah. That was, that was the advice I got from everyone who, who knows about Kickstarters is like, you always want to give, you want to give them something that's fun, but you also don't want to cut into what may be a very slim profit margin Yeah, because you want to get the book out and you want to get the next one out and you want to have it be consistent. Yeah, I mean, I, I think people would prefer to have the entire series rather than one book and a bunch of swag. Right. Yeah, that's my thinking too. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just. That's that's me. I just want to. I want to read something. Right. I, really, I don't need more crap. I need yeah. more. I need more things that I'm interested in in life. Exactly. You know? Yeah. No. So the the dream is to get the dream is to do a hundred issues and to tell this gigantic story because as. Uh, <laughs> Because at some point, I want to show everyone all these ridiculous character drawings that I've done in the back. Yeah, of course. Listen, you know, you you capitalize on your other things. You know what I mean. Yeah. So if you have a lot of stuff, that becomes a thing eventually. So, yeah. Um, yeah, dude, I think it's great. When does the the campaign end? I believe it ends on the thirteenth. So we start on the thirteenth. Yeah, thirteenth to thirteenth. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well. It's, so we've recorded this in advance. So at this point, let's let's play it dramatically in two ways. One, okay. like you guys have cruised like five times the amount of money you set up and you're like, it's amazing. And every stretch goal has been hit. So this is just you and me chatting, doing a victory lap, which is right. fantastic. But if you haven't gotten it, I'd say maybe go check it out. Um, and, uh, you know, and cause Jeff still needs a couple of different options for his new Mercedes. Right. Or the other one is we need to get this thing completely funded and get all the stretch goals hit. So, um, yeah, let's do that. The classic bump. Let's get people to go check it out. Sure. Um, the, the links will be in the description, so they'll be able to just click on it and okay, go right through the Kickstarter. I'll have a QRC code too. I think that's what they're called. The QRC is that what they were all? The QR code. QR code, right? So we'll yeah. have one of those too that you can put on that people should be yeah. able to just 
or the link, right? Whichever worked. Yeah. All of it, all of the above. How right. do you get a QR code if it's on your phone? I'm kidding. I don't know. That's a, I mean, that's a fantastic question. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. You, you can hold it up to a oh. mirror. Oh, whoa. That, would that work though? I don't know if that would even work. Camera up as a selfie with, no, I think it would show your it's selfie backwards. image. Yeah, yeah. It's backwards. That's okay. We'll have, we'll have. Two mirrors. I think two mirrors would solve the problem. All right. And then maybe write stuff backwards so people can <laughs> get a friend. Right, right. That's it. Two. Everyone get one. Somebody yeah. will figure this out. Technology is it's moving so much faster than us. Listen, I can't wait to actually get the thing. I don't buy a ton of comic books. I buy things that I'm really interested in. And like, oh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty pumped. And I buy my friend's stuff. Thanks, man. I really do appreciate the taking the time to talk about it and, and promoting it. I really do. I know that all every little bit helps, and this is gonna be huge. And I, it's fun, it's fun for me to talk about it. I love the, I mean, I love the project. Yeah, I mean, listen, I've known your work for 30, Jesus, 32, three years. Like, so like I've seen I've seen it all. And it's twice as good as it was, at least. Oh, thanks, man. That that's that that does my heart. <laughs> that that's me. that feels good. Thanks, man. I, I, yeah. I don't know if twice was the funniest number I could have picked, but that was what I chose. No, I, I appreciate I appreciate that <laughs> for you. As you would know, you've, I mean, we've been we've known each other forever, and you're like been in the in the biz together forever. forever. That's and that's we've both the gone white a little bit in the beard. But now you just have that wizardly look. I do. I, I look very sagely. Is that a word? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, go click on the link. I, I'm, I'm terrible at promoting things. Just go on the link and check it out. If you like fantasy or if you like anything that James or Jeff has done, it's you're going to love this. I really, yes. Thank, it just, it, it's, it's a, it's a work of passion. You know, it's a labor of love. James and I have put everything into it and we've been working on it for a really long time. And I do think if you like fantasy, if you like us, then you're going to love this. I, it, there you go. You said it way better than I did. Oh, I've been practicing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm coming out in January to your... Oh, right on. So... Um, we are so we'll have to get together having we'll having have beer. Oh, you don't drink, so we'll we'll have many cups of coffee. We'll have a whatever, you know. Yeah. Well, you can you can beer it up, and I'll and I'll and I'll you know I'll drive you home. When was the last time you were at Medford? Twenty twenty. Okay, there's it's a uh, it's it's doing good. Like there's like there's new stuff, and there's um, there's great places to hang out. There's good coffee places, and there's it's I think it's it's a lot more crowded, and so there's my wife. We were driving the other day. She's like, what is up with all this traffic? What happened? I go, we we did. We happened. <laughs> this, this is us. We did this. You know, <laughs> all these people coming to this great place. You know, now we have traffic and it's not so bad, but it's we can sneak over to Jacksonville and hang out there. I love it over there. Yeah. Megan's right right there now. So the place that I'm having the um the launch party um is a place called Miners Bazaar. And I'll send you um, a link to it if you want to to see it because we're going to do um, a video. We're going to live stream, and Miner's Bazaar is right there on the corner in Jacksonville, across from the bike shop. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Thanks, buddy.
Thanks, thanks, man. I'm really. This has been a great time. This is this is this is the best way to spend a day in my book. Yeah, you know, you are kind of one of the few people who've come back. So it's kind of nice to get someone to come back on the show. Oh yeah, no. I mean, I think your show is amazing, and I'm really glad that you're doing it because you are creating this sort of archive of what is, in essence, kind of a lost art form of making comics. I know that it's. There's never been a mentor kind of thing. There's not a there's not a great system for passing on this knowledge, and a lot of it gets lost, and it bums me out because there's there's so there's so much magic in the page, and I think that until someone can show, I mean, it takes a long time to figure out. Like I said, it's taken me years to figure it out. You know, if I could somehow get you know, subscribers to, you know, pay me five bucks a month, you know, for the show, I would do more. Like I would like, there are like, there's things I want to do, but like, it's a time thing, you know, like I, yeah. as much as I love doing certain things, I can't do them all for free. Like this is for free. This is me getting a bit of, you know, creative jolt and just, you know, I don't know, just, it's a kind of a fun thing to do, uh, you know, to get to talk to people like you who can like make me feel like, all right, there's still more things I can learn and do, you know? Yeah, it is, it is a joy. And it's one of those things that I think the internet, I mean, thanks to the internet and the pandemic and some other things that sort of inspired a lot of these reaching out like these, these new approaches to this conversation. Cause I think otherwise I never would have got to talk to Howard Chaikin about, I mean, I've talked to Howard a bunch and he's a, a pal and I think he's amazing, but like getting able to actually ask him some of his process questions and he talks about the idea why he does insects and this stuff. It's it's being able to have the have it be de- demystified, right? Like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Um, because I have all the books on comics. I've read them all, and there's none of that stuff is in there. <laughs> no, because they're they're really sort of A B C D E F kind of. Mm-hmm. It's like do this, do this, do this, do this, and you have a comic book at the end. But there's all these things that we have to solve in the creative world because things don't work out that basic, you know, system, like something else comes up and you're like, shit, I got to solve this problem. How do I do that? Yeah. Like one of the things that, uh, I love about comics is that I don't have, I don't have to worry about a jump cut. Like (laughs) whenever you do boards, one of the things you have to do is all the math of like, okay, they enter over here, they stand here, and then they cross over to here and do that in such a way that is smooth. Um, that I remember I would stand, so I would come by and I'd be just staring off into space. And I was like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm working. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out where everyone is. Yeah. Wow. Well, dude, good luck. This, Thanks, I mean, this, you know, I've, I, I, I'm so happy to see people doing the things that they want to do. Like there's nothing better than seeing that. And because I just know, I just know how good it is for our souls to yeah. make these things. Well, hopefully we can do one of these for every issue. There you go. So we got at least a hundred more conversations coming. Oh my gosh. Everyone will be tuning in. I'm sure. <laughs> right. Imagine how into the weeds we can get on all the most obscure stuff. Like, uh, gutter size oh you say this dude but i was about to talk about gutter sizes when you were talking about panel borders i'm like yeah, man i was about to go into that i'm like you know what i'm just 
we could talk about that for uh, like how it affects time, how it affects the relationship between panels. Like there is there. Yeah. There's a million things to talk about gutter size alone. If you're running late on the project, those gutters get much bigger. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of open panels too. Yes. All yeah. the, all of the above. Yep. Yep. All right, Jeff. Thanks for having me on, man. This has been a joy. Anytime. I'm chuffed to have you here, buddy.